2: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: The second hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Thank you for being here with us uh, from all across the country. As we mentioned, uh, fellow conservative uh, personality podcaster uh, Stephen Crowder has broken uh, a part of, he's broken news here with a part of the Nashville uh, Covenant School shooter, manifesto if we all remember back earlier in in the year um there was this horrific mass uh, mass shooting mass casualty attack where children were killed by this uh, self-identified transgender terrorist Uh, and we have gone through many many months now of saying where is the manifesto? We know law enforcement said there was a manifesto and at one point we're even saying they were going to release the manifesto. Other shooters, other terrorists, other deranged mass murderers with manifestos have, have had them released. This is a standing standard operating procedure for law enforcement. The public right to know is, is uh, thought to outweigh the additional hurt and emotion or emotional turmoil that would come from the release of these things not in this case though and we have been saying all along that it seems like that is uh, clearly political and this is meant to be a a case where they won't release something and hold it as long as they or at least hold it as long as they possibly can so that there won't be any political consequences say for the ideology or for any politicians who are espousing rhetoric or taking positions that may have in some way influenced this school uh this school shooter and now we have some of these pages uh clay and what's it's three pages of of what i believe is a much longer manifesto uh and we credit louder with crowder for this um here i mean i don't want to read all of it i mean the basics are things like quote uh here's a quote uh want to kill all you little um uh, uh crackers is is the term she she, she uses here I hope I have a high death count. I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. I'm ready to die. Uh, I'm a little nervous, but excited, been excited for the past few weeks. I can't believe it's here. Don't know how I was able to get this far, but I am. Uh, I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. My only fear is if anything goes wrong, I'll do my best to prevent. So basically, uh, this is the pages we have show a hatred of, um, White children, uh, white privilege, uh, crackers, obviously a derogatory term used for white people. And uh, this trans terrorist was obsessed, Clay, with a narrative of anti-whiteness and anti-white privilege as part. Now this is just a, a fragment. This is just a few pages of a much longer manifesto, but this was a left-wing terrorist politically, um, who was motivated by anti-whiteness, at least in part, based on this manifesto. Listen to this, Buck. And, I, and I,
2: again, it's going to be, and I know, I'm from Nashville, and I know a lot of the families that are impacted here. Um, my kids go to school with a lot of the brothers and sisters who went to this school. So this strikes very close to home here. Uh, but here is uh, another page of what she wrote on what she dates as February 3rd, 2023. Uh, kill the, those kids, those crackers, going to private fancy schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks with their mommies and daddies, Mustangs and convertibles. F you little S. I wish to shoot you weak ass with your mop yellow hair want to kill all you little crackers, bunch of little gay slur with your white privilege, F-U-F-word. I think I didn't commit any FCC violations there, but this is one of the pages that's out there. Um, I have been told that there are many pages like this, uh, and we have been saying on this show... That this should have been out a long time ago. And, um, I mean, the itemized of what she calls the death day, um, and how specific she was in her attack.
3: There's, there's more of a focus here, Clay, on a deranged anti-whiteness and, and the, look, the, some of the rhetoric that you're hearing here. Is something more along the lines of what you would hear at a, like an anti, a left-wing anti-cop and anti-police rally, you know, a lot of focus on whiteness and, and, uh, a, a racial angle to, to this stuff. There may be a lot more about, uh, the trans, you know, transgender opposition or yeah. that, but for right now, it seems like, and we're, we're clearly talking about a deranged individual, as deranged as one can get, um, and she was, uh, you know, she was killed by an officer who responded heroically to the scene. Um, uh, but when you're trying to get a sense as to, you know, what may have ideologically, what may be some of the threads that were involved in the thinking of this clearly very sick person, who's, I mean, only a truly deranged, evil, and sick person can go and shoot, well, a bunch of people, period, but uh, children, certainly, um, there is a a left wing fixation on uh white privilege and whiteness as let's just be honest joe biden says that you know effectively uh you know what's um you know white supremacy is the biggest threat to the nation and this is the biggest concern that is out there for some people on the left this concept of whiteness and and the oppression from it and all the rest of it and that maniacal focus can have consequences and can can influence people who are already beyond the edge perhaps but um the rhetoric is is damaging and if, if this were a different kind of manifesto we know we would have been talking for months months earlier about whatever rhetoric was involved if any
2: other race had been targeted with what i read to you it would have been the number one story for weeks and we would have to have a national conversation about how such a thing could happen I want to remind everybody, again, this is my hometown, Joe Biden never came to Nashville. Joe Biden went to Lewiston, Maine. Joe Biden went to Buffalo. Joe Biden went to uh, uh Uvalde. Never came to Nashville. They have known... The FBI, by the way, we should say, has declined comment on the release of these pages from her manifesto. Joe Biden knew what was in this manifesto. When you immediately saw that he didn't show up in Nashville, let me just tell it to you this way. If this had been someone who wrote the same page about wanting to kill black people or Hispanic people, do you think Joe Biden would have come to Nashville? He would have been here within the day certainly would have been there within 24 hours. He never came. Now, Jill Biden, his wife, came. But understand the way the narrative gets created. They knew almost instantaneously inside of the Biden White House, uh uh-oh, this is a trans shooter, crazy, as almost all shooters are, crazy and motivated by hate against white people, and I am told there is... Writings dealing with the trans agenda. I'm also told, Buck, that one reason she went, she scouted schools. And one reason she went to Covenant was because there was not a substantial police presence there of security. Armed security, yeah. Yes. That's a huge part of this story, too. Why did Joe Biden not go to Nashville? And why, I bet, will you not see this covered... This is not gonna, I, I would bet, maybe I'll be wrong. I bet this isn't gonna be on the front page of the New York Times tomorrow.
3: I bet it's not gonna be on the front yeah. page of the Washington Post. The, the Democrat Party refuses to ever acknowledge that pathological anti-whiteness and the obsession with white privilege and the, uh, the exaggerated fear of white supremacy and even, you know, white nationalist terrorists and all this, all the things they talk about they will never admit that that stuff is, well, first of all, exaggerated, but that also that their, uh, um, cynical political focus on that can have really negative consequences in our society. Yes. Um, and they create effectively a bigotry that has no bottom. I mean, there's no, you will never be told you are, you, you, the stuff you're saying about whiteness is too damaging and too destructive. You can say anything about it. You can say that, you know, whiteness is a genocidal ideology and you talk about the Native Americans or, you know, whiteness is, is horrible, um, and and then you get into a conversation where you say, well, hold on a second, that that's aren't we judging people by skin color, and aren't we creating, you know, in society, an animosity with that kind of uh that kind of language, that kind of analysis, uh, and the left believes that it is warranted, and and they'll say, oh, but what about the white people? Said, well, yes, they 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 think that they separate themselves from that evil of whiteness by decrying it and by, you know, calling out white privilege and all these things that are mandated at all these colleges and universities. Obviously, it doesn't turn everybody into terrorists. We're not saying that it does. But this is toxic ideology, and toxic ideology in the wrong hands, or in the wrong mind, I should say, uh, can have really horrific consequences. Joe Biden didn't come here. Just factor that in. But what you just said,
2: Jewish people are suddenly finding out too, right? Because this ties in with the idea that Jews were actually the victim of a terror attack. 1,400 innocent Jewish people were murdered, and left-wing ideology dictates that because brown people murdered Jews, there are many people in the United States, particularly of young uh, ages and also of leftist ideology, that refuse to believe that Jews could be victims because they are white. And this ties in, I think, with this shooting that has occurred here as well, and we're sitting at Buck. This happened in March, if I'm not mistaken. It took eight
3: months, essentially, for, for this to pages. actually get out. It, three pages and it's of just, it. And, and it hasn't been verified, as you pointed out, by the FBI. But there was never any, I mean, the reasons they gave, they said the families of the victims, uh, you know, didn't want the pages released or something uh, along those lines. That, that has not stopped other manifestos from being released. Are, are all the families always asked? And, you know, what, is it like a, you know they they see whoever has the majority. Do you want it released? Do you not want it released? Do you want? It comes know, out immediately, Buck, immediately. If this
2: person had been a Trump supporting racist, it would have been out within 24 hours. Every word, everywhere, it would have been emblazoned on the front page of every newspaper. They would have been leading CNN and MSNBC broadcast with it, talking about the toxicity of white MAGA supporters and how we had needed to have a national conversation about white supremacy. I I will be I. It's an interesting, put a pin in this discussion. Let's see how the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC cover this. I give credit to Steven Crowder for putting this out there because it should have been out 24 hours after the attack. We knew who the killer was. And again, we try not to broadcast killer names on this show because I don't like to make them famous, but... These manifestos always get out, and I think it's important to have a discussion about what
3: motivated killers. And not to take anything away from, uh, you know, Louder with Crowder and the staff there and everything else, but, you know, they're independent creators. New York Times has like a thousand people working on the payroll. Washington Post has hundreds and hundreds of reporters on the payroll. Great point. They, they could have gotten this, I'm sure. They didn't want it.
2: It's a good point. Everybody out there wants comfortable things in their home. New my pillow towels, the next great comfortable thing you can get for yourself. Made with a new type of cotton, makes them both soft and absorbent. Not expensive either. You can set yourself up with a six-piece set for as low as twenty nine ninety eight with the promo code Clay and Buck. Designer premium line, just 20 bucks more. Whatever you choose, 50% in savings. You're going to love these towels. Order them now. You've got some holiday gifts covered. To get this offer online right now, go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Check out the new My Towel six piece towel sets. Get 50% in savings. Remember, enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269 for this special and many more. Again, mypillow.com. Go today for the My Towel six piece towel sets. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
0: Search the Armstrong and Getty Show to
4: start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality 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 Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kiwi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Going to be joined by Congressman Jim Jordan at the bottom of the hour about uh, six, seven minutes from now. But John Fetterman, who, again, I never thought I would be praising him on this show, but has been, I think, Buck basically a hundred percent right on the issue of Israel. He was confronted by a pro Palestinian protester uh during one of his events, I believe it was over the weekend, and this is what it sounded like. Listen.
5: What?
3: stroke i can't fully understand
2: what you're saying all right now that you can hear the pro-palestinian protester i don't know was fetterman joke if he's joking that's actually pretty funny he said uh for those of you out there i know it's kind of a little bit cacophonous there he said the joke is on you i'm paraphrasing i had a stroke i can't understand what you
3: just said i think he is trolling or he is trying to be funny i think that's i think that's real um Look, Fetterman has been good on, on, on Israel. And when people are right on something, they're right. We're not going to say otherwise just because we disagree with them on, you know, 90% of everything else. Uh, but one thing I think is interesting, more people are pointing this out because first of all, they, they keep quoting the Gaza health ministry number as though correct a reliable number, which I think it is almost certainly not. Because Gaza is, I mean, the Gaza Health Ministry answers to Hamas, so they're going to be inflating the casualty numbers. There, there are casualties, and there are casualties that include children and uh, and and you know women and non combatants in Gaza. That is a reality of war. It is tragic, but it is true. Um, But it's interesting that the entire you know Muslim world and the pro Palestinian factions out there in our own society are so upset about what's going on in Gaza, and people are are. Pointing out, you know, they estimate the UN estimate is that 85,000 children died in the fighting in in Yemen between government in between various factions, including the Houthi militia backed by Iran. What, why do those deaths mean so much less? What, what about the half a million people who died in the Syrian civil war at the hands of various Islamic factions, including a lot of children? Clay, there's there's no protests in the streets to end the violence. There were no protests in the streets of London and New York and these places to end the violence in Yemen or in Syria, not really. Um, but if Israel kills any civilians in the course of what I believe is a just war, somehow those are magnified far beyond other deaths of civilian Muslim children in the Middle East. And why is that? It's all the oppression Olympics and the pyramid of
2: victimization. It's the same reason why the media in the United States never covers black deaths that are caused by black people. They don't care. Because that doesn't create the oppression Olympics. And that's why I think this Nashville trans shooter manifesto, which is only going public now, didn't come out. And why Joe Biden didn't make the trip. Because anything that contradicts the existing media narrative, there is an immediate attempt to pretend it doesn't exist. And I think that goes
3: across everything, both national and international now. We've got uh, Congressman Jim Jordan joining us next, talking about the border and the terror threat, or the threat of terrorism, from our wide open border. We'll talk about that coming up. Earlier this year, an event 30 years in the making took place. My dad, Mason Sexton, who famously called the 1987 stock market crash, went live with his first public prediction in decades. He warned the top was in and revealed his unique framework to take advantage of the falling market that would follow. Right on cue, the market peaked exactly when he said it would. Those who listened to his unusual prediction, what some called his prophecy, were richly rewarded. And now my dad is coming forward with the next part of his prophecy. It's a second insight that will catch even the most sophisticated investors by surprise. On Tuesday next week, November 14th, he's sharing all the details in an online event, including why the next six months could make or break your portfolio. i followed my dad's work for, well, my whole adult life. He's been right repeatedly. I urge you to listen to his latest warning. Simply go to TheSecondInsight2023.com. That website is TheSecondInsight2023.com, paid for by New Paradigm. Jim Jordan is with us now. Congressman, appreciate you making the time, sir.
5: You bet. Good to be with you, Buck.
3: Let's talk about the border. Um, a lot of people concerned okay. about the threat of uh, particularly some kind of Iranian-backed or iranian uh, directed, you know, terror cell activity hitting us in yeah. the homeland. FBI director has been uh, warning mm-hmm. about this. I mean, this is a topic of conversation from the people who are supposed to be defending the country. Meanwhile, we have the most wide-open border in living memory, perhaps, yeah. ever. What do you make of of the threat here, and what can be done
5: about it? Well, I think that's, you know, just common sense, uh unfortunately, because, you know, you have a wide-open border. You have, a, what, 150 on the terrorist uh, watch list who entered the country, had this guy run around for two weeks before they got a hold of him. Um, and then, of course, you have what, what Director Ray testified to a week ago, which, which said, you know, uh, Hamas could be, quote, inspiring these crazy people to do crazy, you know, evil things like, like what was done in, in, in Israel. So it's a bad combination. And, and the, maybe the, the part that's the most ridiculous is that this has all been intentional from the get go with, with this administration, we actually did a re- report three weeks ago. We released, uh, guys, where of the 2.2 million who've been encountered on the board, and I'm not talking about the Godaways; others who got in, everything else, the 2.2 million who've been encountered who were claiming asylum, we asked the question at a hearing back this summer. They get, get the answer to us. Finally, they got the answer to us after we repeatedly asked and sent letters to them. Uh, how many of those 2.2 million, how many of those have been through the adjudication process and been removed from the country? And the answer was 6,000. So that's that's how bad it is. Just people coming in, 150 some on the watch list just this year. People running around, we did, you know, terrorists running around. And it took a couple weeks to catch him, and then of course with what Christopher Ray testified to. So yeah, it's it's a scary, scary situation. But it shouldn't surprise anyone when you look at this administration.
2: We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, Jim, appreciate you coming on with us. You bet. Do you think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee? I know your buddies with Trump talk to him frequently. Five of this, even in the New York Times, Joe Biden now behind in all the swing states. We've had a lot of yes. discussion about it. It's the story of the day in many ways. Do you think Biden's going to be the guy, or do you think Democrats are going to hit the eject button here?
5: I, I literally go back and forth, uh, but but I guess if there's going to be a switch, I assume the switch happens right at the end. I assume it happens like right when they get to their convention. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, in spite of those numbers yesterday, which, by the way, were great. I did talk to the president, and, and we, like every state, he's just killing him. And then people who think Joe Biden's economic plan is bad and what President Trump did with the economy. I mean, just the unbelievable numbers that we saw uh, in those – in what, CBS, New York Times, different different polls. So – uh but I go back and forth, and part of me says, like, Joe Biden, he's one he's of this forever. He's got it. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be like his fingernails digging in, clinging to it, Um so I don't know, but my, my gut says if there is a switch, it happens last minute and, you know, is it is it quote Gavin Newsom, you know, riding into the rescue or whatever uh, for Democrats? I, I think we can beat him too in light of what, what's happened in California. Um, what I do know is I just want President Trump to be our next president because, you know, look, he was so good in so many ways and everything this administration done has is, is just been a mess. So uh, we'll see. But I, I, literally, I go back and forth and I know you guys have debated that and I've, I've listened to those debates as well. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, you, you always bet. You want to come out for the steak dinner okay, when Buck go.
3: eventually loses on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you want to stay well, with the Buckster on this one. I'm just telling you, Congressman. Yeah. I, I want to. I want to yeah. ask you um, uh, about the the oversight role here that Congress has been playing, and specifically looking at the uh, the Biden web of of corruption. Yeah. I mean, recently, Representative Comer came out with the forty thousand dollar check, the reimbursement for. Uh, you know, for the yeah. loan that no one seems to know where this loan came from or if there's any documentation on the loan. Do you think that oversight activity is part of what has brought Biden's numbers down so much? And, and are you confident that it will be able to continue so that the American people can make an informed choice this time around? Yeah. You know, no laptop suppression. You know what I mean?
5: Right, right. No, I, I do think that's part of it, but I think there's a host of other things. There's the broader weaponization of government. I mean, we, we heard about this Friday from Clay, that the IRS suddenly is Shazam. They're going to audit you know Clay's <laughs> stuff. I traffic. know. Uh, you, you know yeah. we, we've, we've heard about – so it, I think it's that, that broader. I think it's every – Every area, you know, I always say we went from a secure border to no border. We were just talking about that. We went from safe streets to record crime. We went from $2 gas to $5 gas, and we went from stable prices to record inflation. And maybe most importantly, we went from being respected around the world, projecting strength from the Oval Office, to what we see in Ukraine, what we've seen in, in Israel, uh, because I think largely because of the weakness that Joe Biden, you know, just displays day to day. Um, not to mention the, the first thing I, I talked of there, which is, which is, how the government how these agencies have been turned against we the people and we just have example after we just released a report today about how the government cisa was working with the election integrity project at stanford to censor speech broader than the twitter files it was across the board and it was it was being done in a systematic fashion so all that together uh, uh, of course this is why joe biden's numbers what are they you know 33 percent think he's doing a good job which i always raises the question in my mind who are these 33 yeah. percent think things are headed in the right direction
2: no, no doubt we're talking to congressman jim jordan uh for people out there who are asking for updates i know you guys are in the middle of deposing a ton of people mm-hmm. investigating the biden crime family uh what can you tell us about the the, the way those depositions are going as you understand it and what about Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, the, bu- the brother of Joe Biden? What sort of time frame do you think we're moving towards as well, it pertains to that investigation?
5: No, g- great question. So Chairman Comer is going to subpoena a bunch of people. We're, we will actually going to uh, start helping with those depositions because now that he's got bank records, there are lots of people we need to talk to, including the guy who paid Hunter Biden's taxes, just some donor, Shazam, comes out of the blue, I'll pay his taxes. Several million dollars. That guy, a bunch of people who were his business partners in addition to Devin Archer. So we want to, we want to talk to all those. We're looking on the judiciary committee. We're looking at how the investigation was handled. David Weiss is in for his deposition tomorrow. For uh, people who don't remember
2: enough. David, sorry to cut you off, but there's so many yeah, no names problem. running around out there. David Weiss's yeah. deposition is significant in your opinion. Why?
5: He's the U.S. attorney who handled the investigation for the last five years. He's the U.S. attorney who tried to put the sweetheart deal and run it past the judge in Delaware. To the judge's credit, she says, no, we're not going to buy this. This is, this is unprecedented. He's the guy who let the tax years for Burisma, the, the income, the millions of dollars Hunter Biden was getting when he was working for Burisma on that board, um, he's, he let those expire. This is something Chaplin Ziegler, the, the IRS whistleblowers, brought to our attention so we're talking to him the more. But recently we talked – two weeks ago today we talked to Scott Brady, the U.S. attorney in the Western District of Pennsylvania. He was the guy that Bill Barr tasked with getting all the information relative to Ukraine and Hunter Biden being the clearinghouse for that and then getting that to, to, to David Weiss and to other U.S. attorneys who were looking into this, particularly the Southern District of New York. And we learned in that interview that there was all kinds of problems. Everything was slow walk. They kept it. They didn't even tell him about – The confidential human source, you know, this 1023 form who talked about the money Burisma paid the Bidens, the $10 million, they didn't even tell him about that for six months. And the the kicker for me was they never once told him about the laptop. I asked him in the deposition, I said, Mr. Brady, when did you learn about the laptop? He says, when the story went public on October 14th, 2020, in the New York Post. And he'd had his task for 10 months, and they kept that information from him. So, There's lots of questions we're going to have for Mr. Weiss tomorrow, and we'll we'll see how he responds.
3: Congressman Jim Jordan, appreciate you hanging out
5: with us, sir. As always, we'll talk to you soon. You bet. All right, take care, guys. Thanks so much.
3: If you've got old family movies on videotape, you're sitting on a gold mine of great family memories. They'll be all the more valuable when you can actually watch and enjoy them again. Legacy Box is the company that can make that possible. They digitally transfer old media like videotapes, cassettes, film reels, print photos onto digital files. They do it all at their state-of-the-art facilities in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is the perfect time of year to do that, coming up on the holidays. I mean, just think about it. You can share those memories as holiday gifts. Having those digital files makes it easy to share with family and friends. Surprise someone special in your life with a walk down memory lane. This month, you can get Legacy Box's Black Friday deal, Save 65% off their regular prices on videotape digital transfers. That's as low as $9 per videotape right now. Get started this week with Legacy Box. Be ahead of the holiday rush. Go online to LegacyBox.com slash buck. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K.
0: Have fun with the guys on Sundays. The Sunday Hang podcast. It's silly. It's goofy. It's good times. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we. you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty on demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.
4: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport, and together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality. podcast. Rappaport's reality, the reality a little of bit. us. We're a figuring little bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it would, Ooh, a, it would have been, the been podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, KB Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: down in South Florida, should be interesting. Wednesday is the third Republican uh, primary debate. They're also, I believe they've officially announced the fourth will be December 6th in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So the number of people that will be on the stage there probably continuing to dwindle. But we do want to mention, while we've been talking about all the polling on 2024, and by the way, the New York Times-Siena poll also shows DeSantis beating Biden in many of the swing states, as well as Nikki Haley, which to me kind of gives us a sense, Buck, that the story right now, as it pertains to Biden's weakness, is not necessarily about who the opponent is. It's about the fact that Biden himself is, after three years plus-ish in office, a very weakened candidate. But I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Buck, Tonight there is a scheduled rally where reportedly Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds is going to endorse Ron DeSantis in that caucus. Now this is a big deal because Kim Reynolds has stayed to this point neutral, although she has been appearing with Ron DeSantis around the state at at several different events. This will be a uh, reportedly full-throated endorsement coming from the very popular governor in Iowa and the consequences from a political perspective buck would seem to suggest that DeSantis basically is close right now to walking up number 2 in terms of uh in terms of Iowa with Trump still the favorite but the DeSantis people think they can make a run at him still.
3: Yeah, if he can win in Iowa, then it feels like there's there's maybe uh, some chance of a major momentum shift that's certainly what the DeSantis campaign is is uh, banking on obviously um what a lot of people look at is well ted cruz won iowa but it was kind of delayed so it didn't didn't create a momentum shift but he did win iowa against trump in 2016 and then trump pretty much ran the table thereafter so um you know we'll see uh you know we're we're entering a, it's funny, you know, even we talked to Andy McCarthy before, who we both respect, uh, you know, so much and is such a, a smart guy on legal and, and political matters. And he's saying, you know, well, maybe Biden's not the na- nominee. Maybe Trump doesn't actually have to face a trial before the election, but maybe he does get in, you know, uh, convicted and maybe there's so many big maybes here that it, it's just impossible to really look into this future and know what's going on. Um, if I- and, and. The primary looks like it's a fait accompli right now to a lot of people, but other people call in and say it ain't over till it's over. The other thing I would say about Andy McCarthy,
2: I encourage you to go download the podcast. Thanks as always to Jim Jordan, uh, congressman from Ohio for joining us. I think you have to look as well, Buck, at this timing. Remember when was it like, it wasn't that long ago, August, I think, when I was down in Tampa and we were playing the audio from Alan Dershowitz who we had on last week. And Alan Dershowitz said, I think all four of these cases are going to be resolved before 2024, uh, election. I was like, I, I don't, I, he's way smarter than me, Alan Dershowitz. I think he's totally wrong on
3: that. And now. Well, he changed. Look, a day, a day yeah. later, he said probably none of them will happen. <laughs> yeah, the exact opposite. So, so the good news for, for the Dersh is that whatever happens, there's yeah, going to be a soundbite of him being right. So I. The, I was thinking about this
2: over the weekend, as one does, while uh, you're sitting around watching a lot of college football and NFL games. Um, I increasingly can see, as Andy McCarthy laid out, a pathway where the Supreme Court doesn't really want to decide anything, but they also try to delay any trial from happening, with the idea being that keeps them out mm-hmm. of involved in politics, and then they hope that Trump uh if he wins then it's like a super political
3: sit what do you got for me right there that you're uh, uh, that you're looking at cuz you know trump is it te- was to oh, testifying, testifying today. right
2: now yeah
3: probably the greatest testimony in the history like people are saying of all the world uh he he had trump's attorney alina haba has come out and said quote i was yelled at and i've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table let me be very clear i don't tolerate that in my life Apparently some fireworks today in the Trump civil trial over what's going on here. The $250 million suit brought by Leticia James. I mean, this whole thing is a sham. It really is. Um, and, and, and it's on, on the one hand, you know, you can dismiss it and say, well, it's a sham. On the other hand, the fact that this is occurring in my home state or former home state of New York, uh, in, in the way that it is, is it's such a, um, a mark on the record of the Empire State's justice system—it really is, Uh you know—that Trump, going into his 77th year, is facing this $250 million. They're trying to stop him from being able to do business in the state of New York. Donald Trump. I know. They're trying to stop Trump from doing. It's, this is like it's like Ford Motor Company no longer allowed to do business in you know in uh, Michigan or whatever. It's I will say this is
2: interesting, Buck, um, because evidently there are a lot of fireworks. But we're having to read about them on Twitter, which means I don't really think it's going to echo very much. And this is why I would say, first of all, I don't know that what the trial situation is going to be. I think anybody who's claiming that they know for certain, I would stick. I think I went to one before the election decided, then I went to one and a half. I'm back to one probably in terms of the over-under, how I would set it right now. But if there is not video, From inside of the courtroom, I think a lot of people are just going to kind of go, eh, you know, I'm busy with other things in my life. If there's big-time fireworks then and there's video of them, I think they'll circulate and get a decent amount of attention. But if it's just a without-camera court proceeding, I I don't know that it really cuts through and makes people care that much, which is what I think... The Democrats are starting to panic on because I don't buy in and we'll talk about this in a little bit when we come back at the top of the next hour. I don't buy in that any, any framework of Democrat plans was that Biden would be down in five of six swing states by substantial margins to Trump one year out. And I think the evidence of why you can say that they never would have anticipated this buck is because they spent 25 million dollars on ads in those swing states. I think they have they constantly poll, right? They we, we get these national polls every now and then that turn into stories. They're constantly every day they get numbers from the swing states. And I think they were super nervous at those numbers and what I would say is these numbers are still bad after they spent 25 million dollars, which is why I wonder on some level how much of people's opinions, because they know Trump and they know Biden, are just fixed and not moving very much at this point? That's where I tend to be right now, I think.
3: Well, we're going to dive into more of that here because the numbers that we've seen over the weekend, the polling numbers of plummeting support for Biden, huge leads for Trump in the swing states, uh, five of the six swing states out there, uh, minority support for Biden going way down, uh, African American support for Trump going way up. I mean, there's yep. some really interesting early dynamics here. And then of course, what happens if there is a Trump conviction? Could that be the, uh, you know, the X factor that turns it all around? We've got numbers on that too. We're looking at all these political dynamics, we'll be diving into that here together in just a few minutes. Uh, Clay, 2024 election, probably the craziest election in our lifetime. No doubt, and we're still a year
2: out, and who knows what the heck's gonna happen. It's gonna be fun.